You're listening to Live with the League, part of the We Love Where You Live podcast series brought to you by the Michigan Municipal League. Okay, well, we'll go ahead and get started. Welcome to another edition of Live with the League. I am Matt Bach, Assistant Director of Strategic Communications for the Michigan Municipal League. Uh, we got our whole Lansing team uh, on with us today, our legislative team. And we're going to kick things off today with a guest, uh, Shanna Dreheim. Uh, obviously, hopefully for a lot of you, she's a very familiar face. Um, I don't know. Is this your first time on Live with the League, Shanna? No, I've been on. No, I've been on a couple times before, but it's been a long time. I, I have not been <laughs> since the before times. <laughs> the before times, right? First pandemic show, I think. Well, thank you so much for for joining us. Uh, wanted to bring you on a little bit to talk about. Um, uh, we're going to be getting into the fact that um, the state treasury department last week launched a new portal that non-entitlement units of local government can use to access their ARP funding. But before we talk about that, I want to talk to Shanna about uh, how a program that we have that can help our communities navigate this money. Because there's a lot of different COVID resources out there and money that's available. And we're really hoping our communities don't leave any money on the table. So that's kind of where you come in and serve my city, right? Explain a little bit about what the program is and how it can help. Yeah, absolutely. So we launched Serve My City actually last summer um, when the CARES Act funding came out. And we just recognized that a lot of our communities, you know, wanted and needed to access these federal resource dollars. But, you know, the capacity, particularly during the pandemic, but even now as we're kind of coming out of that, um, the capacity at the local level, just given everything you all have on your plates, it's a little hard to just manage, you know, going after the funding, understanding, you know, the technical documents that what's required. I think, Matt, you mentioned for this this current round, right, the Treasury's guidance documents, like over 100 pages. So we, um, the league allocated $100,000 towards this program last summer, and we are continuing it into this summer and maybe this fall that just really is gonna be able to provide technical assistance for communities as you are trying to access these dollars. So everything from, you know, if you have simple questions around, you know, the budgets or audits uh, requirements or any of the other issues around the guidance. So it may be just very short-term, quick hit. I've just got some questions and I really need someone to walk me through it to maybe a little bit more substantive help. Some of our member communities may need some real help thinking about, well, we're kind of contemplating this type of a project and maybe we need to understand, you know, does um, ARP, could ARP dollars be used for this? Are there other resources out there that we could leverage? What do those look like? Um, maybe we need a little help even actually filling out some of that grant paperwork. Um, so it's kind of spans that, that, that spectrum. And we're also planning to offer a little bit more in-depth help uh, for communities who want it, who really want some help maybe with their elected and appointed officials doing some strategic visioning and you know planning around like what assets do we have? What are we trying to do? How does this fit in some of the bigger pictures? And, and that'll be a kind of a combination of the free technical help that we have through Serve My City and probably some fee-based help. But uh, the basic technical assistance and, and help is a free program that we're just continuing and hoping to have people take advantage of. That's that's great. It's it's really a good program, and we'll yeah. have Betsy put a link to it. Can you hear me? Okay. okay. Yeah. We'll have uh, Betsy put a link to it in the uh, the chat there. And also, I should mention, if you have any questions for Shanna about this program, uh, feel free to post them in the Q and A or in the chat. We kind of monitor both areas. Uh, or if you have any other questions for our Lansing team today, uh, even issues that we're not talking about, feel free to post them in the chat. If we don't get with to them today. We'll get to them after the, the fact. So, uh, Shanna, this Serve My City program has been going for over a year now. I think we launched yeah. it maybe a year yeah. ago this time. How has it been going? What kind of assistance generally have you been helping with people at this point? What are the more common things that you do for communities? Yeah, sure. So last summer with CARES, it was actually a lot of kind of help uh, working through just some of the, you know, reporting requirements. There was like, there was just some very specific paperwork that was needed and sort of, you know, are, you know, are these expenses reimbursable and eligible expenses? And um, for any of you who were involved in that last year, you know, we have cons um, contracted with public sector consultants to offer this help. And so, you know, people contacted me and I connected them with public service, public sector, excuse me. 
Um, this year, so far, we're seeing a little bit more, um, I would say, on the side of sort of strategy and some of those bigger picture questions. So we've had a couple people who've reached out and just said, these are the types of projects we're looking at. One, can we use our ARP funding for them? But, you know, two, should we be trying to maybe think about future infrastructure funding for some of these projects and maybe use art for some other, you know, things we're trying to do. So it's a little bit of strategy questions that we're seeing as well um, that are coming in. And I think that's a really um, important thing, like just having, um, oh, it's saying my audio is not great. Um, just having that, you know, that set of folks who can help you kind of talk through that. These are some of the things we're thinking about. And uh, you know, can we do it with this funding? Does it make sense to use this source of funding? Or should we be thinking about what's coming down the road? And we've really been, you know, pushing, and you'll hear this more from our SF80 team about, you know, kind of taking your time on some of this, thinking strategically. So to the extent that there are opportunities to leverage some of these dollars with other funding out there or with other communities in your county, that's the kind of assistance we can help with too, kind of helping you think through that and talk through that a little. And we've seen a few of those requests. Right. That's yeah, that's that's good to have that extra. It's basically a whole additional team of people that we could help you with. So yeah. particularly for our smaller communities that may have bandwidth issues, yeah. um, you know, just with uh, with staffing. Um, yeah. That's kind of where we come in to help with that. Absolutely. And we did get a question, Shanna, that I wanted to ask you. It might be for the Lansing team. Um, kind of talking about how the funds can be used. Does can the funds be used with gleaners or other agencies to assist with limited food resources? If so, are there county programs that we can team with for these type of initiatives? I missed part of that question. That can be combined with what gleaner? Is that? Yeah. Can can these funds be used with gleaners? I don't know what that is. G l e a n e r s, or maybe that's a typo. I don't know if that's some kind of food assistance program. I, I just want to make sure I heard. Yeah, that I heard you. Yeah. I um I, I may pivot here and see if Chris has an answer to that. But if not, I probably have to follow up on that question with our folks because I don't know the answer to that offhand. Unless you do, Chris. But there are some allowances, and without digging into the specifics and the 151 pages of interim guidance we have, there are some allowances for teaming up with with nonprofits. But we'd have to get into we'd have to get into the specific guidance, and that's something probably uh, through contact with Serve My City and folks at Michigan Department of Treasury, we could assist with getting the specific answer on that. Yeah. It would depend on what okay. that situation is. So again, I put my email here in it. You can email, you know, email me, and we can either look and find the answer. We can connect you with PSC who can help do that. But yeah, we can follow up with you. Okay. And uh, there is a question in here: uh, Where do you find the ARP village allocations? Uh, there are a number of different uh, links to that. We will po po put that in the in the chat so people can have that link so you can see how much you're scheduled to receive um, about that. So, uh, Shanna, I appreciate you coming on and talking yeah. about this Serve My City program. Uh, any other things you want to mention about it? Uh, we, like I said, we already posted the link to the website. Um, any other things you want to mention about the program? Just that I really encourage people to take advantage of it. You know, there's no question too small or, you know, too big. We can let you know if it's, if it's too big and that requires a different level of help. But reach out because I think the most important thing is we want you all to take advantage of these dollars. We don't want to leave any of this money on the table. And with the CARES Act funding, some of that money did go on, it wasn't, it wasn't utilized. And we, we just don't want to see that. We want to see you all getting the dollars that are allocated to you. And we certainly don't want capacity or, you know, technical questions to be what keeps you from accessing those dollars. So feel free to reach out to me anytime and uh, we want to help. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Jen. I appreciate sure. it. So uh, we're going to turn now to the Lansing team, uh, Chris, John, Harrisana, and Jennifer. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, ARP portal that did get launched by the Department of Treasury, State Department of Treasury on, uh, I believe it was Friday or Thursday, maybe Thursday night. But um, in this, what's the significance of this portal, Chris, and uh, why is it such a big deal for so many of our members? Well, as, as we've talked previously, the, the way the ARP dollars have been divided up, there are money coming to cities and villages and townships is in two different 
areas. There's the money that's going to what's called the, the metropolitan cities. There's about 49 communities that receive direct access from the federal government. And they, you still have to go through the federal portal through US Treasury to request those dollars, but there's a path for those 49 communities. For the other 1,724 cities, villages, and townships in the state, they're receiving their portion uh, through what's called non-entitlement unit funding that comes on a per capita basis. And that funding you have to request through the state of Michigan, through the Michigan Department of Treasury's portal that just went live, as you mentioned, at the end of last week. So early in the week, um, or even the prior week, Treasury had given some of the, the details on how to prep your filing. And so all of that information is on our blog that we posted and on the, on the Treasury websites. Uh, so, you know, there are certain documents that communities have to prep, uh, make sure they're on file with, uh, with the state and with the U.S. Treasury. And then you go in through this, through this portal and that's how you request your dollars. And according to Michigan Department of Treasury, they said they'll have those dollars distributed within two weeks is their plan. Now, again, we'll see how, how Treasury is able to, but you know, my guess is uh, it sh they should be pretty close to that mark. Okay, we do have a question came in. Um, there's been a, a lot of chatter on the MMTA. I'm assuming that's the townships listserv talking about getting resolutions to accept the ARPA funds. I don't see that it is necessary. Can you comment on that? Does the community have to pass a resolution in order to uh, get these, this funding? It's not my understanding. Uh, again, you have to have designated, there are certain designations that are required. All of the steps are laid out on US Treasury's webpage. You have, uh, again, you are allocated those dollars. You have those dollars, uh, allocated for your community based on, again, if you're a, a non-entitlement unit on a per capita basis, you have to have identified the, the key person who's responsible so that US Treasury has a connection point with that person. And you have to go in and fill out the application uh, to Michigan Department of Treasury. There's really just a couple of things. You have to one, verify that you don't meet the, that you don't exceed the 75% threshold of your budget. So there's a calculation uh, for that determination uh, that the feds do not want your grant amount to exceed 75% of your operating budget. But according to some of the information we've talked with Michigan Treasury, it does not appear that any of our cities or villages should hit that limit uh, is not our expectation. Uh, and then uh, again, you just request those dollars and, and they'll be distributed uh, out to your community through just like you, you got the dollars um, uh, back under the CARES uh, when they swapped out August revenue sharing money. Right. And, and I did see when the state released their press release uh, information about the portal, they did say that you can, you have to go to this portal to accept or actually reject the funding. And we were really encouraging none of our, or all of our members not to reject the money. We, we want our members to be able to get this money. Uh, are you concerned that, 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 that money be left on the table? So I, a couple of things there, Matt, you're exactly right. All, every community should request their dollars. You have, you, know, you need to remember, you have until 2024 to spend, uh, to allocate these dollars until 2026 to spend them. Now, if you're, if any community is concerned that they don't have losses, uh, remember that the way the calculation is built, uh, the U.S. Treasury has given communities a, an escalation, a, a revenue estimate escalation uh, you know, into the calculation. So there's an ex expectation of a certain amount of growth so that you're able to claim those losses based upon uh, on that. And also, you know, property tax appeals are coming in this year and next year. So there's an expectation in many communities that you know, we could have commercial property tax values dropping or appeals coming in. So that's, you know, something to keep in mind as you're looking at potential losses. But then there's also the, the ability to make investments outside of losses. You don't have to tie uh, those losses to investments in water, sewer, or broadband. And the federal government has also given a, a very uh, flexible safe harbor for qualified census tracts. Uh, and I believe Michigan Department of Treasury identified 565, John, is that right? I, I believe so. And uh, we can get that link posted too, because that just went live. It, and Treasury has a map of where those census tracts are, but they are specifically referring to investments that communities can make in and housing and community development and economic development that are presumed to be, uh, you know, in response to uh, kind of 
deterring the negative impacts, uh, the disparate impacts on different, uh, on different populations uh, if money is spent in those census tracts. So like I said, a lot of flexibility around different ways to invest these dollars that don't have to be tied to revenue losses or specific costs incurred due to the, due to the pandemic. And, and can't you do something to assist your local businesses as well? Aren't there some op options there that you don't have to spend the money with, you know, in City Hall? Or can you explain that part a little bit to me? John, you want to take that one? Sure. I was just looking for the link on the census track. So I'll trade you. I'll talk about this. You go find the link for the <laughs> census track. How about that? Um, yeah, so that that, that is a, absolutely something that you can do. You can work with your local businesses as, as a way forward. I think what we've talked about, and, and Shanna's point earlier with Serve My City, is to really make sure that you're not using your dollars in places where there are other dollars available, though. And so with so much uh, uh, stimulus dollars from the American Rescue Plan in the system, it's not just the $350 billion that's out there for state and local governments. There's another roughly trillion and a half dollars to that package. So there is money out there for you know, maybe your local restaurant or your local retail establishment. You're going to want to make sure that you coordinate those things to ensure that you're maximizing the dollars to the fullest extent. Uh, so that doesn't mean we're just going to maybe create a program at the local level to give funds uh, to local businesses. You're going to want to utilize Serve My City, see what else is out there, uh, make sure you do your due diligence on this. And to Chris's point earlier, this is what's so important about uh, the guidance is that you have time in which to do this. So you don't have to rush those dollars out the door. You can be very intentional about your thought process and your coordination. I would say, and, and Chris, I don't know if I, if I missed this or um, if I just didn't hear you say it, but I think it is worth uh, saying again, is that as our communities have to contact Treasury on this and make sure that they request these funds, you have to do so, or at least uh, Michigan Department of Treasury is asking you to do so by July 27th. So you have roughly two weeks in which to get that done. I mean, there is a very short time frame there in which to do that, uh, but you've got to make sure that you pay attention to that, that you meet that deadline, that you have all of your information in and ready to go so you can accept those dollars. Right. There is a There are windows that uh, the state has to meet. Uh, you know, if a community responds, I think there are three three ways you can respond on your request for an NEU. You can accept, you can decline, or you can call yourself unresponsive. By if you if you do make the decision not to accept the dollars, again, we encourage everyone to accept the dollars. But if you do make the decision not to accept the dollars, it is actually best if you declare yourself unresponsive, because then that ensures those dollars go back to all other non-entitlement units. So those dollars will get spread amongst local governments as opposed to going back to either the state government or the federal government. So again, everyone should accept the dollars. You should go in as soon as possible and, and accept those dollars. Uh, but if for some reason you are not going to accept your dollars, we recommend you choose the third path as quote unquote unresponsive. So that way those dollars can be spread amongst the other local governments. In the field. And how quickly, Chris, will they get the first check? Because if we know it's done in two tranches, they'll get half the money this year and then half next year. How quickly, once they fill out that portal, are, should they expect to get, get the first tranche of funding? Again, the, the information that Michigan Department of Treasury has told us, the dollars have already been appropriated by the state. Uh, so the state received $322 million. Uh, that money was appropriated to Michigan Department of Treasury to distribute. So they have told us you know, their, their goal, Treasury's goal is to get those dollars out within two weeks. Okay, great. Now we do have a few questions here. One of the ones we just were talking about, how do you go about completing the U.S. Department of the Treasury Coronavirus State and Local Fiscal Recovery Funds document? This document is required for the state's portal, question mark. Who signs from the U.S. Department of Treasury? Did you guys get all that? It's in the chat part of Chris. <laughs> Do you want me to go to a different question while you look at that one? <laughs> yeah, I'm not. So one thing that okay. I'll say here, Matt, that will be helpful on some of these very specific technical questions. Uh, again, we're your friendly neighborhood lobbyists, so we're not necessarily uh, as tuned in on the specifics of this. We're facilitating the answers. 
but we are working with uh, some of our partners at the Michigan Association of Counties and uh, with uh, Plant Moran. I believe we will have a webinar later this week uh, that will go into some of the very specifics about how communities apply and the reporting and auditing requirements. So that's something, please stay tuned. Hopefully we'll have some information links live on that later today uh, so that communities will be able to go in and get some very good step-by-step -step, uh, instructions and always feel comfortable. I know Michigan Department of Treasury has a great web page set up and they are doing everything they can to respond to uh, community questions. So, um, you know, we encourage folks, I'll put the, the link to Treasury's web page in here as well. Uh, here are the uh, here are the census tracts map that we discussed. Um, and I will put in Treasury, Michigan Treasury's link as well. But please reach out to them. All right. All right, so I do have another question. Um, what are the rules regarding premium pay? Does this require a resolution? We know the answer to that one. Again, it, when we get into some of these very, very specific questions, we're gonna wanna work with okay. the guidance. The guidance is uh, it, that, that US Treasury's put out, that interim guidance is out there. Uh, that's in the links. Michigan Treasury's page, that last link that I posted, should run through everyone, links to everything you need. Um, definitely contact, if you have specific questions, uh, contact Michigan Department of Treasury, uh, look through the guidance documents. Uh, we will have webinars posted. Uh, National League of Cities has uh, some documentation posted as well. With those specifics, I don't wanna you know, get into that because that's not where, where our expertise is, but definitely work with Shanna and her team and Serve My City, they can help. Uh, with some of the planning as, as they've got uh, they've got some folks with technical expertise work with your auditors uh, you know you know many of these can be answered through those through those avenues okay here's one question i think we do know the answer to um does can this money be used to bolster communications infrastructure i.e websites etc i know there's a strong broadband component so john what do you what do you say about that yeah, so I, I think those might be two different things. I, I think when we're talking about, at least the way I interpret this question, communications infrastructure is the way we think about kind of our outward facing platform to the public at the local level. And and again, I I, I think the answer to this is, is most likely yes. And, and the reason and rationale behind that is because there's likely direct lines in which you could draw to the pandemic here. So whether that just means maybe more people are interacting virtually, uh, you're trying to figure out ways in which to improve communications either through social media or through your general interface, uh, having more documentation up online. I think that would all qualify uh, and and be a part of pandemic-related uh, impacts that that you could you could highlight and say, hey, we need this because. Um, at the same time, we have to remember that this is a non-exclusive list, and it's likely going to remain that way, not just from the interim final rule perspective, but from the final rule perspective. And so there's going to be some areas where you're going to have to, to you know, use your, your best judgment, make sure you talk uh, both with your, your general counsels or your legal counsel at the local level and, and, and work to justify those decisions based on that, because not every answer will be, be provided within the, the guidance, both interim or final. But I do think in this case, for this specific question, the impacts uh, that, that you would try to, to be solving as a result of in increasing your communications effort, making that uh, more accessible to the public, whatever that case may be, would be a, an allowable expense uh, based on our read. Okay, thanks, John. Uh, might be another technical question here. Um, it says on the terms and conditions form, how do we get the US Department of Treasury to sign? Sounds like again a logistical question. So again, looking at the, looking at the the link, the form link, that is probably you fill out your end of it, give it to Michigan Department of Treasury. I will verify that. Um, that's one of the questions I can ask to our Michigan Treasury contacts. I don't know if uh, if one of our friends from Treasury is on today. Uh, shoot me a note. Uh, but uh, that is, I believe that's probably you fill out your end, and Michigan Treasury will get the other end. Uh, completed for the U.S. Treasury representative, but I'll find that out. Okay, and then there's a question for us in general. 
Can the MML prepare a template Excel sheet to assist in revenue loss calculations? Or maybe my question to you guys is maybe there's already something like that out there by our partners at Plant Moran or, or somebody like that. Do you guys have any guidance on how they can come up with that calculation? Sorry, Matt, we're doing multiple things at once here. Um, you're on mute, Matt. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. Could you could just repeat that for me if you would? Sure, the question was, um, can we uh, is, can we do an Excel sheet to help them uh, to help them like a template that would help them do their revenue loss calculations? And my question is, is there maybe already something out there like that, or or what? So it looks like some of our friends who are on have let us know that the uh, MGFOA uh, Government Finance Officer Association has put a calculator together. Uh, so definitely for communities uh, with membership in GFOA. That's something we can try and uh, try and get access to as well and, and provide. Uh, I know there are other sources. Again, if you're working with some of your folks, uh, if you've got uh, in one of the accounting firms you're working with or audit firms you're working with, they might have something as well. Uh, Michigan Treasury might have something that's a resource that we can try and pull together and have available to members. Okay. Um, I got a couple questions that I'm going to lead into John and Harrisana. But uh, before I get to those, um, one of the questions, as you mentioned, funds could be spent on economic development. Do you have more details or a link for this? I I'm, I'm thinking that's probably in the 151 pages of guidelines, but Chris, can you touch on that? John, you wanna? Yeah, I, 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 can, I can jump in there. So yeah, I mean, one depends on what we think of, of you know, the definition of economic development being, but I, I think if we think about broad scale, that can be anything from housing. So if we look in, and Chris had mentioned uh, the qualified census tracts, and, and that's going to be a, a, a real important thing for communities to look at because of the flexibility that can take place within there. So whether that be from a, a, um, a housing standpoint, you know, maybe traditional economic development as we, we tend to think about it. I think the other thing I would say here is, is we have talked a lot organizationally about economic development from a leverage standpoint. So the question is, what can we do on our own? And then what position do we think that the state is gonna be in to utilize some of their resources to help us leverage and, and amplify potential economic development at the local level? And that is yet to be determined. So I, I, I don't believe, and by saying I don't believe, I, I know we don't have necessarily a specific link with the details beyond what's in the current interim guidance on that, but a lot of our effort organizationally right now behind the scenes is working with the state of Michigan to help influence and talk to them about how they can spend their resources, particularly in, in both the housing space, the, the community development space, and the economic development space as a way for us to leverage those resources at the local level, whether that be you know, doing things that may be very simple on the housing side from things like weatherization and to removal of lead paint, all the way to you know some things that could be very in depth on the economic development side in terms of brownfields uh, and office conversion. You know, so going from you know current office space that may now be vacant and getting that transitioned into either residential or, or retail space. So there's going to be a lot to to come on that, and I think the state will will end up playing an important role in terms of being a partner with us ultimately at the end of the day on that. Yeah, okay, I don't think we can. I don't think we can minimize the importance of that, Matt, in some of our discussions. Just, you know, remember the state has six and a half billion dollars of their own funding uh, that, and, and our partners at the counties received $1.9 billion. So, so there are lots of opportunities for collaboration and working together and, you know, knowing what programs that the state might put together this summer as they develop their budget. Uh, and I know we're going to talk about that a little bit later in, in the program here, uh, but that's, that's important for members to keep in mind as you look at opportunities to leverage your dollars, uh, team them up with, with the county's dollars, what the state might be offering, and you know even what some of philanthropy or the business sector is receiving. Yeah, uh, kind of gets into the, the next question from a member, Chris, to talk about what I think what you were leaning toward. And that the question from Josh is, um, in a previous webinar, I believe you mentioned that the ARP funds could be used for parks and recreation. Can you confirm any more details on this? And then a second part of this question was, also, do you have any information on Governor Whitmer's announcement last week 
about additional funds being available for investment in local parks and rec. So I want you to tackle the first question first, and then John, I think you probably could tackle the second one. Yeah, and, and Chris, I can hop in on both if 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 you'd like. Um, you know, I, I think the first first uh, question is it, it needs to be answered in two parts, right? And, and the first is obviously from a revenue loss standpoint, can you invest? Uh, you know, that makeup between revenue lost and, and the top of your budget and invest that into parks and rec, that answer is absolutely. And I think beyond that, as you look at some of the guidance in terms of what may be uh, allowable expenditures around dealing with public health and, and those types of things, can you get into a parks and rec spend on that as well? I, I believe that that answer is also yes. And and to, to transition into what the governor had put out, um, you know, she believes obviously that ARP funds uh, can be spent on parks and rec. And so I, I think you know, that adds credence to the fact that at, at, at the local level, you could use your resources for that. But when we think about what the governor put out, it didn't have a lot of specifics behind the announcement. What we do know in just our conversations behind the scenes with them is that they want to run that, that money through some existing programs, particularly the local parks passport program through the DNR right now, where a lot of our local units uh, apply to that. And there is a uh, you know, millions of dollars worth of unmet need that, that comes in every single year. So that's one avenue and likely um, the most significant avenue in which those, those resources get invested in. But I will say this, the governor's put out, you know, a, a proposal on local parks. She's put out a proposal on state parks. She's talked about education. She's talked about childcare. You know, we've had the, the legislature talk about everything from debt reduction to a $2.5 billion spend on infrastructure that includes everything from the MI Clean Water Plan the governor's proposed to a bridge bundling program to replacement of, of lead service lines. And I think what we are doing organizationally, back to a little bit of what I talked about earlier, is one, obviously we're monitoring all these things, but our goal is also to push for a comprehensive strategy moving forward. That's gonna include everything, maybe from local parks to infrastructure, to broadband, to economic development. And the idea behind this is, is we wanna make sure that these things are coordinated and not siloed. And so our overall messaging uh, that we've developed here as an organization and things that we've been working very directly on with the Michigan Association of Counties and a few other partners, uh, you're gonna to continue to see from us that style of messaging. And I think that is, is the goal behind what we wanna do here and really push the state and the governor uh, to a position where they're looking at this, not in silos and not as individual programs, but really how all of these things connect and coordinate together so we can best leverage and amplify those resources at the end of the day. And not duplicate each other. I mean, that, that could be the most inefficient use of funds if, if the state spends money on something and our members are allocating money for the same thing, federal government has a separate direct plan. You know, That's something we wanna make sure we're coordinating uh, and, and trying to be as efficient and as effective as, with these dollars as possible. Okay, uh, we do have a couple other questions on the ARP. Um, but just real quick, I think this next one can be answered. Can the money be used to support election related operations? So uh, money for elections? Do we know? Chris? I am. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I don't. I don't. I've not seen that. Yeah. Well, you know, this this is the beauty of having a non-exclusive list, right? Because uh, there are questions that come up that are on the list. Uh, you know, again, I think those will be the types of things that as we start to see and have some additional clarity with the final rule, hopefully it'll be more direct, maybe not that direct in terms of elections, but at least allow us you know, and, uh, a way to, to draw that line either to it or, or about it. Um, you know, and I also think, and Chris, we've talked about this before on this webinar. I mean, there's plenty of, of opportunity. I'm sure we can get this link in there too, to post these questions directly to the U.S. Treasury, which is incredibly important. So they understand the types of things that, that are going on at the local level. Because again, for them to come up with an exclusive list is really difficult. And, and to understand all the things that locals may want to or need uh, to spend money on uh, is not going to be the same in Michigan as it is in Minnesota or or Maryland. So you know we need to be right. very diligent in how we propose and get those questions to U.S. Treasury. Well, and that's something too. I know members have had questions about 
uh, the different calculations or the, some of the different rules. And so there definitely is still an opportunity yet this week, John, correct? Uh, to get those questions in as, as US Treasury finalizes their, uh, you know, their the final rule. Because it is still an interim rule. They're, they are taking public comment on that interim rule. And there still is an opportunity for members to, to reach out to US Treasury and try to get uh, you know, their concerns addressed or questions answered. And here's another one that might be for them it is, um, oops, is uh, I heard whispers of real estate being eligible. Uh, any, any talk of that? Have you guys heard from our contacts of whether you can use it for real estate? I'm assuming that means purchasing or something. I, I have not heard that one specifically, no. Hey, yeah, I think again, okay. this is going to get, this is going to get into, you know, the very individual specifics. U.S. Treasury, and I know in some of the webinars that we've seen with White House staff, they view these dollars as laying the foundation for the economic recovery for, for the country. And, you know, using these dollars to, I mean, they've got some very broad, uh, broad principles uh, that you can follow kind of in, even in the opening pages of, uh, of some of the summaries. Uh, John, if you've got one of the, the early summaries that we received where they kind of, well, White House and, and U.S. Treasury laid out kind of the themes, but they talked about, you know, obviously the, the impact of the pandemic, revenue losses from the pandemic, but also, you know, fighting some of the disparate impacts on various populations and communities across the country that uh, were impacted in, in different ways uh, by the pandemic. So, so they definitely are looking at this from a go forward standpoint, when we start to get into the, the specifics of this project versus this project, US Treasury is gonna wanna see communities making the links to those themes. And can they make those links? And can they are they running afoul of any of the specific prohibitions? That's really what you're gonna to have to spend time as you look at, at innovative projects. I think there's an opportunity for innovative projects, but you're going to have to look through the guidance, look through what US Treasury's put out, look through those kind of core principles, and does your project line up with those core principles? All right, uh, I did want to bring Jen in on the conversation here, uh, if I could. Uh, we got the short-term rental issue. Uh, we've talked a lot about it on this show. We have more to talk about. Uh, Jen, uh, can you give us the latest? Uh, and then if you guys have any questions, uh, anybody watching about the short-term rental issue, again, feel free to post them in the Q&A or the chat. And also, if you have questions about ARP, if we're not able to get them today, we'll follow up with you. So, Jen, tell us what the latest on this is and what we need from our members on this issue. Yeah, so last time um, we held live with the league, we talked about the upcoming house session that was held on June 30th. And we are anticipating um, uh, them trying to take a run at 4722. Um, it never made it up to the board for a vote, um, but doesn't mean that there wasn't a lot of hard trying, um, trying to muster up enough votes to move that. Um, so thank you to everyone who engaged again. Um, we were able to stop a vote again last or two weeks ago, Wednesday it will be now. Um, this week, the Senate is anticipated to be in um, and not the House, or at least not for attendance um, or any votes. Um, but the House will be in next week. Um, we're anticipating on the 21st um, and um, expecting again, trying to make, make a run at 4722. Uh, we are waiting for a work group meeting to be scheduled to try to come together on a compromise. Um, I'll tell you the coalition of opposition that we are a part of. Um, has been meeting regularly. Um, we have um, some proposals that we are um, putting together and pushing, um, but the formal work group meeting um, hasn't, um, hasn't been scheduled just yet. We're hoping that that does happen here before the House comes back in and tries to take another run at 4722. Um, because Part of the issue with 4722 is there's been a number of substitutes, draft substitutes, um, but what's happening is the uh, concerning language in section one of that bill that specifically states a short-term rental um, or any rental really that's a less than 30-day consecutive lease is a by-right permitted residential use in all residential zones 
It can't be um, held to special use, conditional uses, or any other procedure different from the other dwellings in that zone. And so while we have been very focused on short-term rentals, um, there's actually been um, some concerns brought up recently that uh, when you, it applies to any residential. And so now you could take any kind of commercial activity as long as it's in a residential district and it's a rental uh, of less than 30 consecutive day lease um, that now any kind of commercial activity, um, it could be allowed and it could create a big loophole in, in our neighborhoods. Um, so we are, uh, again, focused on trying to find a compromise. Um, and let's face it, a compromise is something we can live with, might not be something that everybody wants, um, but in the end, it's better than all out preemption, which is what we are fighting right now, which is um, closer than it's ever been. Uh, this bill's never made it out of committee before, never made it to the floor. Um, in either chamber. And so we are working hard to find that middle ground, but it takes both sides to, to get to the middle, um, not just one side um, completely bending over. And, and, and it takes both sides. So again, like I said, we're waiting for this formal work group to get um, um, scheduled and we will take it from there. We encourage our members um, as, you know, we're in, in the summer now, um, keep sending us information as things are happening in your community with short-term rentals. Uh, encourage uh, those folks who are being affected to get engaged and contact their legislators uh, as well as the governor's office. We have the short-term rental webpage uh, with the voter voice um, advocacy tool where you can send information um, and you can customize that. Um, let's let it just be the vehicle to customize. You don't have to use our wording, um, but it's easy to access that and to share information on what's going on. Right, and uh, that's a really good point, uh, Jen. We do have those letters that you can send to your lawmakers, or again, you can edit them in the way you want. Also, uh, we are encouraging our members to pass resolutions um, on this issue. We have a number of communities that have already done so. You go to our resource page, which is a short-term rental mml.org. You'll find out those resolutions that you can use as samples from other communities. There's some really good ones on there. Um, and we also have sample letters to the editor that our members have sent uh, to the local newspapers. You can do that as well. Um, or you can just pick up the phone and call your legislators. We appreciate that. That's often the most effective way. And they are in district right now. So, you know, this would be a good time to reach out to them while they're not so uh, tied up in the day-to-day -day of, uh, you know, the Lansing uh, legislative activity. So this would be a good time to give them a call and uh, at least get a message into them. Yeah, many of them are hosting coffee hours or in-district office hours. And so definitely now is the time to get in front of them and have a conversation. Um, this issue can get very emotional. Um, so just encourage you to... You know, take a breath, or if you're talking to your residents who are up in arms about this, to engage. Um, but you get a lot more with a little bit of honey um, and a little bit of sweetness than you do um, attacking um, uh, attacking those officials. So um, I am having more and more individual residents that are reaching out um, to me about this issue. And so we're encouraging them as well to contact legislators, to get involved. Um, and so I just want to put that out there. You can share the short-term rental page with your residents um, if they are contacting you at City Hall asking um, what, what to do. Because, um, yeah, definitely I'm, this time around, I'm getting a lot of, and a lot of just your average citizen reaching out and, and talking about um, what's going on in their neighborhood and, and the issues they're dealing with. And two a couple things, Matt. Also, in addition to your legislators, make sure you're contacting the governor's office. I know in a lot of our a lot of our uh, voter voice advocacy, we're also including you know that that uh, that communication is going to the governor's office, and we need to make sure that that the governor's office knows if it does get to the point where it's on her desk, she needs to know how important an issue this is uh, and the concern that that our communities have. And and also, you know, there are in addition to you know the all the fighting Jen's been doing on this. Uh, uh, there are some strong allies in the legislature that have been helpful on this. You know, there are there are a couple of different bills that legislators have introduced as alternative approaches. 
And so, you know, uh, we are really appreciative of the efforts that those legislators have put in uh, in teaming up with us to, to help fight this issue. Yeah, for sure. And that was one of the questions um, uh, for Jen was, what's the governor's take on this short-term rental issue? Uh, would she veto it if it passed? And I, I don't think we know the answer to that. No, I would say the administration is is um, being very tight-lipped on this issue, um, kind of just saying that they hope all the stakeholders can work it out. Um, you know, unfortunately, there's no incentive for one group of stakeholders or the other to um, work it out if, if there's no indication that, that the administration may have an issue or that they're good. So definitely cannot stress enough, you need to reach out to the governor's office. Even if you know your legislator is good and is um, a you know 100% solid no on this issue, we need you contacting the governor's office because like Chris just said, if the governor's office hasn't heard from people um, in opposition, then if it did make it to her desk, why would she not sign it? Um, so you definitely can't stress that enough. The governor's office needs to hear from folks um, in, in, that are opposed and why they're opposed. Okay. And another question for you, Jen, is are there votes to pass it as is currently? Um, I think I know the answer to that, but I'll let you answer it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's definitely, I, I wouldn't say there are the votes to pass it um, currently as is right now. Um, because, you know, we've been able to keep it off the board the last few weeks when they've had a session, but there is a element of fatigue to this issue, and people are, quite frankly, getting sick of talking about it and dealing with it, and if there's not some kind of movement or, or, or things quiet down and they're not hearing about it, um, it, it makes it easier to vote for it. I would also say that you know, when you're doing those regular check-ins with your legislator to make sure that they haven't changed their vote, um, you know, that's important uh, because they need to continue to hear from you. They need to continue to hear that you're opposed and pushing for a true compromise. Adding language to a, a bill that has issues is not a compromise. It's just junking that bill up. It's making it worse. It's making it more confusing. It's making it uh, much more difficult to um, enforce what's being put in there because there are different sections contradicting each other. And so being able to have the relationship with your legislator where you can walk them through how this actually works and how currently, under what you currently can do, how difficult it is to enforce folks, even if I've heard from a couple of our municipalities that um, with folks that have court orders that they cannot short-term rent and they're still doing it. And people are having to rent, you know, a room from them, rent their property from them to be able to take that back to the courts. It shouldn't be that difficult um, to stop bad actors um, in this situation. So I think, again, it's really important. We talk about that personal relationship you have with your legislator, that they'll pick up the phone and talk to you. Uh, you know, this is one of those, uh, I would say, this is one of those issues that some basic zoning knowledge has to be uh, used um, because it's it's amazing to me the number of folks who don't understand just how zoning zoning ordinances the difference between zoning and police power ordinances how this all works and goes together um, and just the basic difference of a residential property where someone lives and resides where they lay their head at night they are working in your community they are visiting the businesses in your community they vote they pay taxes and the person that is coming and vacationing or renting while on vacation a residential property they're very different and that that kind of basic element needs to be explained in a local context all right, thank you, Jen. Uh, one quick question for you. Who's setting up the work group that you mentioned? Is that us coordinating that or who's who's set? No, um, I mean, we are happy to coordinate that and have put that out there, but uh, we anticipate that that work group is gonna be coordinated by the bill sponsor and or leadership in the house um, who is pushing for the bill. Okay, thank you. All right, uh, I got a question uh, unrelated to everything we're talking about. Uh, from the uh, Marquette uh, Mayor Pro Tem, Jen Hill. Uh, she said, I have a question that I'm starting to get more and more. What tools are available to residential marijuana grow smell problems, odor problems, 
with the wards and windows open, I'm getting calls about smell. Are there state rules to consider in addition to our local nuisance ordinances? Jenna, that might be a question. Yeah, yeah. That so when it comes to uh, marijuana smell, um, this is very, very difficult. Um, before the pandemic, the the summer before the pandemic, I actually was out in Colorado participating in a National League of Cities event um, specifically to hear about um, what they have done since you know they were one of the the first uh, states to do medical and recreational. And um, this question was asked about smells in neighborhoods, there's really not a whole lot that can be done. Um, it is definitely a nuisance, but how do you measure it? How do you, um, how do you document it to be able to enforce the issue? So um, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot done. I will say um, we are expecting some legislation here the end of summer or in the fall to be introduced that would require caregivers to get licensed and to register. Um, and so you would uh, it, you wouldn't be able to co-locate caregivers anymore. They would be one per address. Um, and so I think that may help get um, caregivers out of neighborhoods and more into commercial and, and industrial areas. Um, but you know, your neighbor next door who is partaking in their individual liberty because they are over 21, um, there's there's just not a whole lot, unfortunately, that can be done about that. Okay, thank you, Jen. I did have to switch my audio, so I apologize if this is choppy, but we're kind of wrapping up anyways. Uh, uh, any other uh, parting words from anybody? Uh, any other questions I missed, Betsy? Nope, I think you've covered everything. Okay, great. Thank you, everybody. I do want to mention that the next Live with the League is July 26, Monday at noon. Uh, we have a, a couple of summer workshops coming up. Our Michigan Municipal Executive Summer Workshop is uh, July 20th through the 23rd. If you're a city manager, uh, feel free to sign up for that. There's still uh, time. And uh, the MAM, the Michigan Association of Mayors Summer Workshop in Sault Ste. Marie this year is in mid-August, so look out for that. And our convention registration will be opening very soon, potentially this week. Um, and that is uh, September 22nd through the 24th in Grand Rapids in person during Art Prize. So we're very excited about that to get back and see people. It'll be a welcome uh, opportunity for everybody. I know. So once again, just thank you everyone for joining us. Um, until next time, I'm Matt Bob with Lee. Thank you, Lance. Thank you, Shanna, our guests, for joining us today. Have a good day. This has been a production of the Michigan Municipal League. For more information on our programs and services, please visit www.mnl.org and join us for the next episode of We Love Where You Live.